And uh, this morning, I'd like to shore up that truth that God is in control. He has a plan, and guess what? He's right on schedule, okay? And also that we need to, by faith, cooperate with what God is doing. So you've heard me mention this definition for faith uh, multiple times, but I'm going to mention it again, and I'm going to drive the point home that faith is believing the word of God and acting on it, no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. Um, it's so key for the effectiveness of the church and for believers to have that kind of faith. And, well, in Hebrews eleven six it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So how am I going to reinforce this truth? <laughs> By taking us through a portion of the book of Acts, and the last time I filled in for Pastor Rob, we ended in chapter 9. So Lord willing, we may make it to chapter 10. But I want to, um, I want to look at some events that happened up to that point, and I really want to, um, I want you to see God's hand um, in the birth of the church and really all the way through to chapter 10. And of course, we could start in Genesis and go right through the Bible and, you know, on every page, see the faithfulness of God, right? We don't have that kind of time, so we're going to kind of cruise through um, the first few chapters of Acts. One thing to remember is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, so he's still actively working in and through the church, just like we're going to see in the book of Acts. The goal is when you leave here this morning that you'll be walking more by faith than by sight. That you'll be looking moment by moment for God's hand in your life. Just a little side note. <laughs> Um, you know, as we go through the book of Acts, there's a lot of really cool things that happen. They should actually make movies out of the book of Acts between the healings, the visions, um, you know, people, you know, being healed of um, infirmities that they've had for a lifetime. Um, it's just amazing. It's amazing. The supernatural things that happen, angels, um, the Holy Spirit speaking uh, to the disciples. And I want to just mention, and this might cut across some folks' theology, but I believe it's that God is still doing this stuff today. I believe that, you know, God is still healing. God is still raising people from the dead. You know, people are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, miracles are still happening. And hopefully we'll see that um, the reason... Um, Maybe that they're not happening today is that, you know, maybe the level of commitment that the church has really isn't where it should be. You know, the church is me. I'm part of the church. Sometimes we get a little preoccupied with life. And I under, we all understand that, right? But the first century church, these guys had a way of handling both. Pastor Kevin mentioned last week that, you know, they were under intense persecution back in the first century from Rome. You know, there was not a lot of freedom. So, um, you know, these guys were in the pressure cooker just like we are today. So what I want to do is um, 
I want to I want to make sure that I mention some of the dates as we go because I, I think that'll help keep this in perspective a little bit, right? Because sometimes we read through these chapters and we think, oh, this is the next day, and here, oh yeah, and they woke up and they did this, but you know, there's like. In some of these instances, there's a year in between, or maybe a year and a half. So um, it just, hopefully you'll get the idea that, you know, these guys were living this out day in and day out. You know, it just didn't happen, boom, 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 like in 10 chapters, you know, that's the end of the month, and, you know, things are great. But, you know, just some perspective uh, in what um, these guys were going through. So it's been... Okay, so 10 years prior to Acts chapter 10, okay, Jesus told his disciples to go into the world and to preach to every, just to go share the gospel, right? Into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Um, you know, God has a plan, and he wants us to be a part of it. And I'm going to say that a lot. God has a plan. God has a plan. You know what? God has a plan, and he wants to use the church to carry that plan out, all right? And that's us. That's us. That's exciting. That's exciting. So I want to kind of set the stage here. The disciples are really depressed. Jesus has been crucified. They think that, you know, that, hey, wow, what happened, right? I mean, you guys uh, just, you know that they went back fishing, right? And then, um, you know, Jesus is, Jesus is um, resurrected, um, Acts, I mean, uh, Luke 24, and we'll be in Luke 24 and then in the, in the Acts, but um, it's interesting. You know, they're a little down, they're a little, um, they're not a little, they're depressed. And um, the guys that were on their way to Emmaus, Jesus joined them on the way. They realized it was Jesus. They come back to Jerusalem, and they tell the guys, hey, Jesus is risen. And they, they knew, you know, they were excited about it, but there was still some doubt. So in, in Luke 24, in verses 38 and 39, it, Jesus walks into the room and shows himself, and they kind of got a little weirded out by that. And Jesus said to them, why are you troubled and why do you and why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. You know, Jesus is reassuring them. Hey, look, man, touch me. I'm here. What I told you is true. You know, I wasn't going to stay in the ground. That He had to die. You know, basically um, what the gospel is. And I know that there's times that I felt that God has abandoned me and kind of left me, you know, just like kind of on my own. But that's not true. That's not true. And we're going to see this. You know, I, you know, we need to get to the point in our faith where we believe the word of God and act on it no matter how we feel because God promises a good result. You know, God has made promises. Jesus made promises, and he's going to keep them. We just need to maintain that faith. And this is a real pivotal point for these guys because, you know, they think all is lost, but all of a sudden, here's Jesus. It's me, guys. I'm here. You know, I told you what was going to happen. And it's interesting, and I, I hope you guys see this as we go through this. Everything that Jesus said was going to happen, happened. And every time something happened that he said was going to happen, it was another shot of faith for the disciples. And I'm hoping, 
I left my water over there. I'm hoping that that's the same thing that happens with you guys. You know, faith, believing the word of God and acting on it. You know, being encouraged by that. So look what Jesus tells them in Luke 24, verses 44. Starting in verse 44, it says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And verse 45 is really awesome verse. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. You know, don't miss that, because Jesus gave them the ability now to understand what the plan is and how to go about it, right? They were a little clueless at first of what was going on, but now he opens, um, he opens their understanding to comprehend the scriptures. And he's done that with us, right? The application is obvious. You're filled with the Spirit of God. If you're born again, you're Spirit-filled, right? And you can comprehend, you can understand the Word of God. Right? It would be kind of weird if we're, we were asked to have faith and act on it if we couldn't understand it. But Jesus, right, right from the beginning with these guys, he opens their minds so they can understand the scriptures. And in John chapter 20, it says that Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You know, he's preparing these men for ministry. And from the time that you got saved, God has been preparing you for ministry. God has been preparing you uh, to carry out that great commission. And it's interesting, you know, with all of the political junk that was going on in the first century, you don't hear much about it in the book of Acts. Once in a great while, um, you know, I think in Acts chapter 12, when James is, is martyred, uh, I mean, you hear that was persecution by the, by the government to please the religious left, if you will, right? The radical, the radical Sadducees, the Pharisees on the left, to, um, just to make them happy. But you don't hear a lot about it. Um, Jesus said, then it is written, and thus it was necessary. And this is like one of the non-negotiables of our faith, okay? Necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. You know, Jesus is just laying it out. This is what it's all about, guys. Um, you know, you, you, this is the mission. This is it. Okay, focus on that. Then he said in verse 49 through 53, Behold, I send the promise of the Father to you. Now Jesus is going to give them direction. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And then it came to pass while he blessed them that he was, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And notice the obedient response from the disciples. They're catching on already, right? It's, it's really awesome. It says, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. I mean, think about that. One minute they're like dejected and wondering what's going on. Jesus shows up and reassures them and lays out the plan, opens up their mind so they can understand the scripture and then tells them, hey, this is what, you, this is what I want you to do. You know, this is the plan. And that's the, that plan hasn't changed, right? Right? All right. I want to make sure. Are you, 
Did you get that? The plan hasn't changed. All right. So I want to quickly look at what happened in those 10 years from when that happened to Acts chapter 10. Okay, what happened? And you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to obviously encapsulate this. We're not going there's a lot that happened between um what happened here in Acts chapter 10. In fact, 10 years worth of stuff, right? Of ministry. What I want to do is highlight um, I want, I want to like kind of give you a snapshot of God's active hand in certain events that happen. I mean, his hand is through the whole thing, obviously. But I'm just hoping that as you see this, that it's going to really be an encouragement because God is doing the same stuff today and wants to do, he wants to empower the church. He wants us to, to be effective in this world. And you know, they're talking about a lot of programs, a lot of different things that try to ease the tension and things like that. But, you know, we know the reality is it's the gospel of Jesus Christ is the solution. It's the only answer that's going to bring lasting change because it's all in that sinful heart that man has. Right. And unless that's dealt with, it's going to be the same old, same old, just another day. So the mission for us is really, it's, you know, we're like a critical point in, um, you know, in this world, even though we don't look at it that way. But, you know, you are an integral part of the solution, and God wants to use you. So Acts chapter 1, A.D. 30, okay, this is, um, and, you know, don't hold me to the dates. They could be off like six months a year. It just depends on, you know, what, um, you know, what resource you're using. But, you know, the... Jesus is crucified, he is risen, he ascends into heaven, right? Okay, the Holy Spirit is given, well, that's Acts chapter 2, but the birth of the church, right? So, I was going to read um, Acts 1, 1 through 9, but let's, re- let's start in verse 4. And it's... Um, Acts chapter, Acts 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father has put into his own authority. So God's telling them, Oh, yeah, there's a plan, but that part of the plan you don't need to know right now. All right, so just chill. You don't need to know that right now. But, it, you know, there's a verse 8 starts with a but. And it's an important distinction, right? He says, But. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the other ends of the earth. And once again, we see their obedient cooperation. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus. So God's plan is, is moving forward. The church is getting prepared. Um, you know, they wanted to know um, if, you know, he was going to restore the kingdom. And he's going to someday, right? But not now. 
Not now, and he tells them, hey, don't worry about that. What's more important is that you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be witnesses for me. You guys are going to turn the world right side up. You're going to make a difference. And, you know, the message hasn't changed for us today. The message hasn't changed for us today. And I pray that 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 stirs up some excitement in you. Because when everything looks weird out there and dismal, guess what? God wants to use you to bring light into a dark situation. It's exciting. It's exciting. So we move into Acts chapter 2. We know the day of Pentecost. I mean, the miracle happens. You know that these guys are um, speaking in tongues. And, you know, all of these different nations hear them praising God. I mean, just amazing. What I want to do is I want to point out God's sovereignty in this whole thing that kind of brought a little bit more assurance to them because now they're starting to realize it, and to me. So in Acts 2, verses 22 through 24, Peter is, is, is sharing the gospel, and he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. You know, verse 23, you know, it was God's already determined purpose and foreknowledge of God for this to happen, Right? And how awful, really, was the crucifixion of Christ? It was horrible. It must have been a horrible sight to see the whole thing, that the beatings that Jesus took. I mean, it was horrible. But God had already predetermined that to happen, to save mankind. You know, Jesus went willingly to the cross. But the point I want to make is that, you know, God knew. He knew. Right? He knew. He was in, he's in control. Things can look so out of sorts, so um, beyond repair, but when God's hand is in it, when God's hand is in it, it's not. A.D. 31, a year goes by, we're in Acts chapter 3 and 4, on the way to temple, on the way to church, if you will, you know, Peter and John walk by the beggar who's been lame his whole life, he gets healed, right, starts this uproar in the church, um, you know, they want to know in verse 7 of chapter 4, you know, John and um, Peter are arrested. Now they're coming before the religious leaders. And in verse 7 it says, And when they had set them in their midst, they asked, uh, By what power or by what name have you done this? And, and notice as I read the, Peter's response, and it, you know, there's no backpedaling by Peter. He's not ashamed of the gospel. He's not going to make excuses for what happened. You know, he's just going to give it to him straight. He's going to give it to him straight. You know, and Peter wasn't ashamed. He was confident because um, his confidence came because he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the gospel was the power of God unto salvation. He knew it was the only way for man to get right. That hasn't changed. It's a message. It's the message of the Great Commission that Jesus gave them. And you know, I guess the question that I've been dealing with with me, and I'll kind of pose it to you: um, 
Are we that convicted about the gospel? Are we that convicted about the gospel? Are we willing to uh, just be bold and share the gospel? Are we, are we willing to just own it, understanding what it's all about? Well, the disciples were, right? The disciples were. Why? Because, you know, they had a, a level of faith that, you know, God said it, they believed it, and they acted on it. And they acted on it regardless of the consequence of how they felt. So Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, he says to them in verses 8 through 12. Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, by you builders, which has become the chief corner. And verse 12 is really awesome. He says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which men must be saved. Powerful. He's not backpedaling. He's not ashamed of the gospel. And you know what? He knows. I mean, his life's on the line, right? Doesn't make a difference. You know, Jesus had spoken into these guys' lives. Jesus had an impact. The words that Jesus spoke to these men, they believed it and they acted on it. And, and saints, you know, if you don't get anything out of this message, my encouragement is when you read the word of God, believe it and act on it. Because that's what faith is, right? Faith is knowing the truth, believing it, and acting on it. And, you know, get, we have to get our feelings out of the way, our emotions out of the way. Right? Because they're going to just, they're going to make excuses for why we're not doing what God's called us to do. All right. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What did they see and hear? They heard Jesus encouraging them. They, they walked with him. They lived with him for three years, right? They just saw him in his resurrected body. He just told them. He told them what to do. He gave them that commission to go out and to share the gospel. So, you know, what Peter is saying is true. You know, we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. Guys, it's the same with us. We're not, God's not asking us to say anything other than the things that we've seen and heard in the word of God. So powerful. And then uh, it closes out with this prayer. Um, as these guys, they get out of jail, they get back together with the group, and they're praising God for being, you know, just being able to suffer for the cause. And this is part of their prayer to God. In verses 27 through 31, this prayer for boldness. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. So they've already, they're getting it now. They know that God has ordained all this. 
All right, that God is in control regardless of what they're seeing. They know God is in control. In verse 29, they said, this is part of their prayer. It's awesome. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Look on their threats. Look what they're saying, Lord. Look, at, look what they're saying. They're threatening us. And grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Guys, God answered that prayer. He answered that prayer throughout the rest of the book of Acts, and we're going to see it. We're going to see it. God answered that prayer. You know, they just wanted to be empowered. They wanted the boldness, what? To go out and speak your word. That's how they made a difference in the community. That's how they made a difference at the temple. That's how they made the difference, by, by just boldly proclaiming the word of God. Boldly speaking the word of God. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spake the word of God with boldness. You know, Lord, shake this building, fill us with your spirit, and just empower us to go out and speak your word with boldness. That's what's going to change the situation. You know, that's it. That's what's going to make a difference. And you know what? I understand that I'm not going to be. I'm not going to go out there and I'm going to share the gospel, and the whole world is going to change. But you know what? We, I can make a difference in that little sphere that God has me, and you can make a difference in that little sphere of friends or wherever God has you. But the point is, is that wherever we're at, that we should be that light, that we should speak the word with boldness. Um, these saints saw God's plan unfolding as they lived out every day by faith. What Jesus had told them prior to this was happening in his timing and in his way. God's got a plan. God is in control. God is in control. He's got a plan. We need to just trust him. We need to have that faith to step out and be a voice for him. Notice, um, the focus of the church was to live out the commission that Jesus gave them to accomplish his, his will, whatever the cost. So they were focused. You know, they were focused on the task at hand. Jesus said to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other parts of the world, and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Simple. Get out there and just do it. Acts chapter 5, two years later, right? This is two years, maybe three years after Pentecost. God deals with sin, right? Ananias and Sapphira. The apostles are back on trial again, right? Don't go preach into the temple. <laughs> the angel lets them out of the jail, tells them, go back to the temple and preach. You know, hey, they, they weren't gluttons for punishment. They were gluttons to please God. You know, they didn't care about it. They weren't, you know, like, oh, gee, let's go back and get arrested again. They were like, hey, yeah, let's go, man. Thanks, Lord. Thanks for getting us out. We're going back. You know, there was an excitement, an exuberance about the gospel, what God had called them uh, to do. You know, Peter, again, as they, you know, as they're speaking to the leaders, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. It's consistent, consistent with what the Lord wants. Acts, 30, um, Acts 6, AD 33 we know Stephen and the seven uh, servants are chosen to wait tables um, with the dispute between the Hellenist widows 
And uh, the Hebrew widows, um, you know, Stephen is eventually martyred in chapter 7. Think how difficult that must have been for the church. For Stephen, this young man, this bright believer who was on fire for the Lord, who God was using in, in miraculous ways, is martyred. You know, you think that maybe they took a step back and like wondered, like, God, what is going on? But you know what? They knew that God had a plan. And as difficult as that was, they still kept pressing forward because after Stephen's death, persecution came. And what happens? Philip ends up going to Samaria. God's got a plan. Even in the darkest time when things look like that they're never going to get better, God has a plan. And he's faithful. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his word. Um, chapter 8. Um, Saul starts persecuting the church. This is four or five years after Pentecost. So, you know, I mean, there's some five years has rolled by and all of this stuff is happening. But these guys are committed. They're committed to the word of God. They're committed to the commission that Jesus gave them. They're committed to that. Why? Because they believed the word of God and they acted on it. Jesus said something had happened while they were acting on it. They're living it out and they're seeing the reality of their faith. You know, our faith is real. It's tangible. It isn't some pie-in-the-sky kind of thinking. You know, we're putting our faith in God's word. And God is not a man that he should lie. So we see um, that the Samaritans accept the gospel. Peter and John are sent down to, um, to see what's going on. They pray for those guys, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and here we see Peter using the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom for the second time. He used them the first time in Acts chapter 2. He's using them here for the second time in Acts chapter 8. And it's interesting, I was thinking about that, because, you know, Jesus told Peter that, you know, that he had the keys to the kingdom, right? And they weren't just like keys, right? You guys know that? Anyway, I was just thinking that, you know, do you think he knew that? Do you think Peter knew that? You know, he was supposed to be the guy to go unlock the, the gospel to these certain people groups. Or, yeah, I sometimes I think like that, you know. But, you know, here he is, um, you know, just being used by God. And maybe not even knowing it, you know, the, the reality of it. It's just amazing to just see God's hand in this perfectly. You know, he told him this back in the gospels, and it's happening. It's happening. Really faith-building stuff when you see God's faithfulness to his word. One thing I do know, I'm not sure if Peter knew that, but I know that, um, that they're watching God's plan, God's will, unfolding right before their eyes. Everything that he told them is happening. They were cooperating with him every step of the way. And think about it. You've, you've been here, right? God has put something on your heart, and you've acted on it, you took that step of faith, and God showed up, right? Somebody nod. There's got to be at least a couple of you here that did. All right, good. But that's the scoop, right? I mean, that's it. That's, that's the deal. God is in control. God is in control. I told, I, you know, Richard always gives me a little perspective. You know, because I, you know, I want to say, forget about what's going on in the world, and kind of, fo you know, focus on the Bible, right? Focus on what God's doing. I know it's hard. I know we, it's hard. It's almost impossible not to have our attention taken to what's happening in the world. But, you know, for that, we pray. 
And we ask God to intervene and to give us wisdom. But then you know what? We got to get right back to what God's called us to do, to be a light, to be a witness for him. And then we also see in chapter 8 that um, Philip shares Christ with the Ethiopian eunuch. God's plan, the gospel is spreading, right? The Ethiopian eunuch's on his way back to Africa. You think he mentioned what happened to him? How he got saved on the way home? I mean, that would have been a pretty interesting conversation to hear, right? All right, AD 36-ish. Chapter 9, Saul is converted on the road to Damascus. Um, and that, you know, obviously, talk about pivotal, pivotal times in, in history. And I'm not talking just biblical history. I'm talking about people history, world history, human history, however you want to phrase it. I mean, Paul is saved. Saul is saved. Boy, this is a huge turning point. And we're going to see in Acts chapter 10 that, of course, Peter is going to go to the Gentiles, but God is already preparing the apostle that's going to go and minister to the Gentiles. And isn't it amazing how you can see God's hand through all of this? He prepares things. He gets people in the proper place. He, the situation is all set, and God's hand is in it all. And that should encourage us, I mean, even above and beyond we could even think, because God has not changed. You know, God is doing this in our lives. He's doing it in the church. We, you know what it is? We just need to be sensitive enough to understand that and to see it, and to see it. So um, Peter, um, Peter now just decides, led by the Lord, um, to go from Jerusalem to Lydda, where he heals Aeneas. And then they call for him down to Joppa because of Dorcas had passed away. And they ask for Peter to come to pray for her. He goes to Joppa uh, and he prays for her and she's, you know, God raises her from the dead. And so here's, um, here's Peter now in Joppa. Just hanging out with, you would never guess it, but with Simon the Tanner, right? A Gentile, a guy that um, is a tanner, right? He deals with dead animals and skin and all kinds of stuff that the Jewish people thought was like, whoa, wait, I can't even be a part of that. But God is already dealing with the prejudices that Peter has, all right? He's already dealing with Peter. And verses, uh, chapter 9 of Acts, verses 32 through 43, show an excellent preparation um, for God giving Peter um, for the upcoming experience that he's going to have with Cornelius. And what stuck out in my mind is that God provides as he guides. You know, God is going to provide whatever you need as he's guiding you into whatever situation that he's guiding you into. You don't ever have to think that, oh, Lord, I don't know if I could do this. Well, you know what? God is going to provide everything that you need for any situation that he calls you to. He's already given us his word. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you have what you need. And God will work out all of the details as you move forward. So we actually made it to Acts chapter 10. All right. So... 
It's interesting. Another one of those questions that came to my mind, you know, Dave, do you think that Peter knew that God was preparing him to meet Cornelius? I don't know. I don't know about that. I know that Peter, though, was always wondering what God was going to do next. You know, I, I, I know that he had this, uh, this spirit that just anticipating what was gonna, what's going on next, what's going to happen next. So I'm not for sure uh, if he knew that this particularly was going to happen, but he had to be wondering, why am I with this Simon? Why am I with this Tanner? You know, why, you know, why did I go this way and how did I end up here? You guys ever been there where you're wondering, you know, God has you going around and you're here and you're there and you're wondering, you know, Lord, what are you up to? You know, why this? Why did I meet this person? Or why did I haven't seen this person in 20 years and here they are? You know, it's okay to be inquisitive like that and ask the Lord because you know what? He'll, he might tell you, right? He might say, oh, this is why. So it's just amazing to see the, just God's hand. And then in, in chapter 10, I mean, there is just so much of, and this is going to sound like a weird statement, but there's so much of God's involvement in it. And I know God's involved in everything in the Bible, but, but this just really jumped out at me. So, and it's also a pivotal point, obviously, in, in well, we say church history, but, you know, I, I just look at it as just history in general, that um, the, the Gentiles are going to receive the gift of salvation. You know, and it's just amazing because, you know, a lot of us wouldn't be here, <laughs> If it weren't us Gentiles, we wouldn't, uh, we'd still be wondering what was going on. But, you know, God, um, you know, God is awesome. God is awesome. So every day is preparation for the next day. Does that make sense? If you're a believer, every day God is preparing you for tomorrow. And then God is preparing you for the next day. And I've, I think it's important for us to live in that kind of mindset. Okay, God, what's up? You know, we get up in the morning, and for me, it's like, oh, man, I got to get up. <laughs> you know, it's uh, not everybody's enthused sometimes about getting out of bed. But, you know, just getting up and saying, okay, Lord, what's, you know, what's on the agenda today? You know, what's going on? What's on the agenda? So important for us. This is going to be the third and the last time that Peter uses the keys to the kingdom to unlock the gospel to now the Gentiles. So God has God mentioned that to him. He's faithful to see it through. And um, here we are, Acts chapter 10. Ten years after Pentecost. And the question is, I was thinking about why did the apostles wait so long before going to the lost Gentiles. You know, why wait 10, <clears throat> why wait 10 years? <clears throat> if the Great Commission was to go, Jesus told them they had to go into all the world. It would seem logical that they would go to the Gentiles. They were right there, but they didn't go. Hmm. But you know what, guys? God has his timetable as well as his plan. You know, and sometimes, you know, we ask these questions, we don't know why things happen or they don't happen sooner, but we need to understand that God, um, you know, God has a plan, but he has a timetable, you know, and he has a timing for everything, just like he told the disciples when they asked about setting up the kingdom. Not yet, guys, not yet. It's not, you know, it's, it, 
it's not their time. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not their time yet. So <clears throat> we see that God works things gradually um, according to his will. And we can see that. It unfolded with part of it with Stephen being martyred, the subsequent persecution of the church, the gospel going to the Samaritans, and then eventually, um, a year later or two years later, it ends up the Gentiles get saved. So God has a sovereign plan, and we need to be, do our, our part to see that that gets accomplished, you know, our responsibility. So we, um, we really are kind of run out of time. Let's, um, let's just kind of look at Acts 10 quickly. Let's read the first eight verses. It says that there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called um, the Italian Regiment. And see, I wanted to make sure I got that in because <laughs> the, first, the first converts of the Gentiles were Italians. And, Joe, I know you're not going to like this, but they were Yankee fans too. <laughs> I know the Yankees weren't even around then, but they just had that foresight to know that if there ever was Major League Baseball, that the Yankees would be their team. <laughs> All right, so anyway, um, Cornelius was a devout man who feared God with his whole household, um, who gave alms generously to the people. He prayed to God always. And, um, you know, God is answering his prayers now. God is answering his prayers. And you know, back in Acts, when the disciples prayed that God would open doors for them, that they would speak the gospel with boldness, and that there would be signs and wonders and miracles and all of these cool things happening. All of this is happening up to this point. And God's going to, you know, I mean, an angel's going to show up and, and give Cornelius some direction. You know, God's hand, and, and you know what? This would be like a little side thing for you guys. When you're, you start your devotions tomorrow, just start making little footnotes someplace about, oh, yeah, look, God, said, God came through at this. God said this. God was faithful to do that. And, oh, yeah, look, God did this. You know, and believe me, by the end of the week, you're going to see, um, you're going to not be shocked, hopefully um, encouraged, to see just how active God is throughout the whole Bible, obviously, but then start seeing it in your own life. You know what? Because God is going to be as active in your life as you let him be. All right? If he's not active in your life, it's because you're not cooperating with what he's doing. So let's just kind of paraphrase what happens here. Cornelius gets visited by an angel. He says, hey, you know what? There's a guy that I have primed, uh, just waiting for you. In fact, while you're sending your guys to go get him to bring him back, I'm going to be taking care of last-minute issues he might have about coming here, right? Because so what happens? Cornelius sends the men to go get Peter. Peter, the next day, gets hungry, and he's on the roof get, waiting for lunch, and God he goes into this trance, falls asleep, whatever, and God lowers down the sheet with all this clean and unclean stuff on it. And he tells Peter, go ahead, eat. And, you know, Peter says, not so, Lord. You know, and it's kind of ironic. God is telling him what to do, and he's saying, not so. 
you know, but we've done that, right? We've, we've not sold the Lord a few times, right? But, you know, God is getting Peter ready to go minister to Cornelius. He doesn't know what's going on. You know, he's trying to, it says in, um, it says, it says, and it does say it. So this voice tells him, you know, God tells him that he can eat it. And then, you know, it says, don't call anything um, what God has cleansed. Don't call it uncommon. And then in verse 17, it says, now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, you know, he's wondering what's going on, right? What is going on? But he doesn't know yet, but he's going to know. But he knows that God, he had this vision, right? And then Cornelius' crew, they come, knock on the door. Hey, does Peter live here? Oh, yeah. And then Peter comes down, and they dialogue. And, you know, like, what do you want? Well, you have to come with us because Cornelius, you know, had this vision with this angel, and you have to come, and you got to tell him, that God, you got to share the, what God puts on your heart, what the message God gave you. Then what is that message? That message is the gospel, right? So it's amazing to see God's hand. And this is just in one chapter, two days that happened in the Bible, maybe three days, that God went through all of this to open the door for the Gentiles. And you know what? God is doing that today. God is, I don't know if God can go out of his way, but God is going out of his way to make a clear path for you to reach into people's lives. You know, God has given us a way to where we have um, um, total access to him. And it's just amazing to see that God had got Peter ready while they're coming to get him. They go back to Cornelius' house. You know, Peter kind of lets him know it's kind of weird to be, you know, in this situation but, you know, God is no respecter of persons, and he's not, and he's not. And Peter starts sharing the word of God with them, and the Holy Spirit falls on them, right? They start, they start speaking in tongues, right, worshiping God. Same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. And church history and world history has changed forever, because now, I mean, the Great Commission really, at this point, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now starting the uttermost parts of the world, right? Because the Gentiles are the rest of the world, right? So that door is open. So, you know, guys, I, I just want to encourage you. I know there's nothing deep about what we talked about this morning, but you know what? This is, um, man, the deep, you know, the deep, it's really, and I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel sharing this. I hope you don't take it the wrong way. I mean, the word of God is so deep; we'll never ever fathom it at all. But my suggestion to you is, um, get the easy stuff down. You know that that definition for faith. Get that down. Start with that. Faith is believing the word of God and acting on it, no matter how I feel, because God's promised a good result. And you know what? If God said it, just be faithful to do it. You know, that's, you know, start, you know, what is that saying? That kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Right. Now, I'm not saying, I, you know, that's, the mirror is here. I'm saying that to me. But, you know, I just w want to encourage you, don't, don't complicate your faith. Don't complicate your faith. If God's speaking to your heart, then respond. And if you don't understand what he's saying, then pray. 
I mean, we just saw it. We just saw it right here. And not living color, but I mean, come on. In the word of God, that every step of the way, he's there. You know, he's encouraging them. He's telling them what to do. God, Jesus gave them every resource they needed. All they had to do was cooperate. All they had to do was take a step of faith. And they saw God do miraculous things. And he's not done. And you want, instead of Peter and John, it's you. It's you. God wants to use you in this way. And what did they do? They set people free by sharing the gospel, right? They were faithful to preach the word of God boldly. They weren't silenced by people. They weren't silenced by the, um, the religious people of the day. And there's religious people of the day that want to silence the word of God. And I know it might sound a little weird, but there's people that want to rewrite the Bible to fit the way they think society should be or what it should say. And all that the Lord is saying for us is, no, hey, hold on to the truth. Preach the truth. And when you take that step to do it, I'll be there. I'll, I, he, you know, he's got your back. He's got your back. You can believe that. Because all you got to do is open this book. Finish the, <laughs> finish the book of Acts. He's got their back. He's got your back. All right, so just give him an opportunity to show that. All right, God wants to, wants to still turn the world right side up. And he wants to use us now to do it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for, boy, just being so patient with me, with us. Thank you for your long-suffering, um, God. And Lord, thank you for going out before us. Thank you for preparing our hearts for uh, ministry, for things that you would have us do. And Lord, that we, um, we would be sensitive, that, that we would take time uh, to listen. I know we're good at being vocal with what we want or think we need. But God, I pray that we would um, increase the time where we just sit quietly and listen. We want to hear from you, Lord. We want that clear direction just like the apostles got. Lord, we want to know and, and just sense your presence in um, everything that we do, God. So, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. Give us the grace. Fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just want to cooperate with those things that you're working in our lives as you... Um, purify our hearts as you um, chip away at our character, uh, Lord, so we could shine brightly for you, uh, Lord. So we love you. We thank you for the rest of our day, that you would be an active part of it. Uh, thank you uh, for Pastor Rob and Kathy, Lord, as they're, and uh, Ariana as they're home uh, quarantining. I just pray that you'd uh, bless their time this week. And uh, Lord, we love you. Thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.